Welcome to the Rick or Treat Horror Cast, hosted by yours, Ghoulie, Ricky J. Duarte. My guest this week is a friend of the pod. He has joined me before to discuss Child's Play 2 a couple of months back. And in week three of our Animal Attack Month, I thought it would be perfect to have a genuine Australian join me to talk about today's movie, the 1984 classic Razorback. So welcome, the host of the Creepy Crap Podcast, Danny boy. Danny! Danny boy? Corky. <laughs> hey, gone. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad I passed the fasting couch audition. You really got to sanitize that couch. <laughs> I, your last episode was such a hit, and I had so much fun with you. I had to have you back. Danny, you are the host, as I mentioned, of Creepy Crap Podcast. You recap mostly crap movies but the occasional really good one as well why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about your show yeah occasionally they slip a good one in there um <laughs> yeah pretty much what you said i like to just choose ones that look crap and then ones i haven't seen so i can kind of watch it stop as i go talk about it kind of get my the opinion as i'm going so i kind of speculate and all that sort of stuff and yeah most of the time they're pretty crap but then occasionally you get one that's a uh, you know, surprisingly good. Or well, one I've seen and I just want to bad mouth it so I purposely choose it. It's a free therapy, I guess. <laughs> you keep your show really entertaining. Yeah. You are a funny guy. I'll stop it. Even I think even if you're not trying to be funny, just your description of these movies is terrific. And I said it last time, you watch some of these movies so that I don't have to. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for your service. Yeah, I'm doing a service for everyone. <laughs> This is like a subgenre that's way worse than me, though. I see people who watch like the worst of the worst. I'm like, I, I'm not that person. I don't go that far. I'm like, they do a service for me. Right, right. I'm like, like I'm like middle tier. I feel like in the the crap movie arena, whatever you want to call it. Probably not arena. Well, you do watch a lot of movies. Have you seen anything lately that you'd actually recommend? Yeah, I feel like um, like I brushed upon it. I think last time that. Like, it's a time warp here. So everything I'm watching that I'm like, oh, cool, this just came out. Like, we literally, st- I think Evil um, Evil Rise or whatever is still at the movies at the moment. Okay. Like, like the new Evil Dead, like, that's, that's at the movies now still. Scream 6 just came out on, like, the streaming service here. Um, I don't know if that was the same there or not, but... Which I haven't watched any of them. I don't know why I mentioned it, but... <laughs> they're really I've- good. They're But they're both great. Yeah, I've been watching Evil, um, Ash vs. Evil Dead, so I've been doing that a lot lately, and I haven't been watching a lot of movies. I watched Evil Dead because of the show inspired me, but yeah, not not much Terrifier and stuff like that. Nothing new, to be honest. What do you think about Ash vs. the Evil Dead? I like it. It's great, right? I watched it a while back, and then I something happened, and I never watched the rest of it, so it's good watching. It is, but there's only three seasons or something, so I'm just I'm on like the last episode of season two, and then, yeah, all that season would be new to me, but 
it was a bit of a bummer knowing it's ending and that Ash won't return at all again or something like that. You're like, damn. Yeah, I, Bruce, he might come back at some point. Maybe. I don't know. I reckon he would. I was part of the camp when the movie was, when, or sorry, when the TV show was going to get canceled and it was pretty clear that ratings had gone down. Bruce Campbell encouraged people to just put the show on and you don't even have to sit and watch it. Just like put the show on on your TV so that they get some streaming numbers going up. And I was one of the people who did that. I was trying to keep it going, but uh, you know. Yeah, I heard that because it was like, that were like the most downloaded show for quite a while. Like, so it was like people, the interest was there. It's just no one watched it legally or something like that. It's such a bummer because it really was fucking cool do you guys have milson boxes or nielsen boxes or something like that is that a thing over there uh i've heard like it the, the mentioned nielsen where, like rating. families have it yeah i don't think that's a thing anymore i think that was more oh, like okay. in the earlier stages of television through maybe the 80s all right yeah we just got it here so really no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, i've just heard it right <laughs> Yeah, no, I color TV. (laughs) We just got color. So that was uh, if you were a Nielsen family, you got a box that you hooked up to your TV. And so your viewing kind of added that's where they gauged ratings for television shows. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the term I heard Nielsen uh, Nielsen family or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That hasn't been a thing for a while, especially now with streaming. They just have automatic updates to what people are watching. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Which is kind Um, of scary. Like, I'm sure Netflix is keeping track of exactly what I watch. Although I just canceled my Netflix subscription. So this writer's strike that's going on in Hollywood, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Refresh me on that. I've literally kept up with that at no point. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. And people are, you know, people are talking about it. Writers are not getting paid what they deserve. And you know, there's this unfair, uh, unfair imbalance of CEOs. I think a statistic I read was there are eight CEOs in Hollywood that are making more money than every writer in the world. And really, uh, yes. Don't quote me. It's what I read. I don't know if you can believe what's on the internet, but I will say without writers, we don't have stories to tell. Right. So they're on strike. As a famous actor, how does that affect you? Me as a famous actor? (laughs) Well, luckily I'm also a writer, but um, I'm not on strike because I don't... (laughs) Triple threat. Uh, I'm writing, you know, my my reviews and articles and such. Oh, yeah. I will say the Tony Awards will not be broadcast. The Broadway Tony Awards will not be broadcast because of the writer's strike. So anyway, it has surfaced that the biggest enemy for the writer's strike is Netflix. Netflix is not paying the writers that are coming up with their material enough money. And so... I really looked Damn. at my subscriptions, especially since I just moved. You know what I mean? And movies are expensive and looked at all my yeah. subscriptions. And I was like, I don't Did you just know. move to LA. Is that easy for work? No, no, no. Silly. I'm saying I'm not, I'm a, I'm a New York city boy. Uh, I don't watch Netflix anymore. Like there's, there has not been good enough stuff like Bridgerton, maybe once a year I'm interested, but so I just ended up canceling it and in conjunction and in support specifically of the writer's strike. Yeah, do like a month and then just cancel it again. Yeah, right. Some For some apps, that's the best. Just wait until a show is finished, then sign up for a month and binge it, and then you're done. Yeah, I've done that before. Good plan. <laughs> All right, well, hey. Full of good quotes today. <laughs> I do want to thank you, Danny, as well, for taking time to be on the show while you are under the weather. You're, you're a good man and true, and I so appreciate you. What time is... So last time we did this, I recorded at i think 7 a.m my time 
and it yeah. was normal waking hours for you. And now it's about noon for me. And what time is it for you right now? Uh, it's 2 a.m. at the moment. Man. Which is better than it was going to be. Like, I was going to come from a night shift, but yeah, because as you said, I got a chest infection. Although I usually sound like this anyway, so it's not too different. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you were very kind enough to move it forward for me so I could go to sleep after this and uh, sleep all day. It'd be nice. Thank you. Appreciate that. I really appreciate you showing up. I really did. Gentleman and a scholar. I, I did encourage you to take the rest that you need, but you insisted. And so you're, you know, I appreciate you. So oh. I brought you here to talk about a really cool movie. We're talking about Razorback 1984. Now, you just so happen to have just done this film. I wasn't sure if we are going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> on your podcast had you seen this movie before you talked about it on your podcast yeah i had actually i'd watched it like ages ago i think i watched i did bore like years ago so is bore officially re a remake of razorback i think it's kind of i think it's unofficial okay. i don't think it's a hundred percent but like it's like that you pretty much had to like attribute it to it or like yeah nod the hat to it and stuff like you couldn't do one that's identical and be like i didn't even know about it you're like get fucked there's not that many australian movies and right. there's literally only one other one about a giant boar it's like and you just called it boar like <laughs> yeah i feel like it's an unofficial one but it's got the respect of that where people compare it all the time and stuff like that i almost did that but i'm like i've already done it once but yeah i have seen it once and now i've seen it quite a few times because uh, do do I admit that I forgot we had a plan for this? <laughs> <laughs> I, so I hit Danny up a couple months, uh, maybe six weeks ago, and I was planning my animal attack month and asked him to be on the show talking about Razorback. And then last week, I look at my podcast app and Danny has done an episode on Razorback <laughs> <laughs> and had forgotten that I had asked him to do this. So uh we're counting your episode as the warm-up. I've dialed no. back my drinking lately, so I, if you ask me stuff now, I'll actually remember it when you... You might remember it. Uh, I yeah. did I did listen to your episode, and it's it's terrific. You always do such a great job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll, thank uh, you. I'll try to bring up some fresh points now. <laughs> yeah, after you listen to this, go check out his episode and check out Danny's entire show, Creepy Crap Podcast. It really is enjoyable. And uh, they're quick listens, too. You keep them 20, 25 minutes. You keep them tight. Yeah. Yeah. I try to keep it under 30 minutes, except for if I have a guest episode, which I apparently ramble a, a ton more than I do as a guest. So that I, I had it one guest episode. Sorry, you didn't get to bust that cherry for me. But um, <laughs> it, yeah, I cut probably an hour of me talking because it was just if no one chimed in, I would just talk for like, I would answer, it'd be literally, have you seen the movie like I did then? Instead of saying yes or no, I would go, well, oh, I have, but then I've technically seen this. And then I talked about some other movie and it, it would go like six minutes or something probably of audio before some, like you chime back in. I was like, what? I was like, you're too kind. Why did you let me do that? <laughs> so shit. So I cut it down to me like asking a question or answering it and that was it. But it was about an hour of audio I cut out of it. Yeah, my episodes sometimes are an hour and a half. Last week's was almost three hours, you know. But that three-hour episode was actually three and a half hours, and I cut it down to be just under three. Yeah, nice. 
you know, it, I, at I, least for, if it's quality, it's not so bad. Well, that was the thing. I was worried when my, you know, when I, the first time I had an episode that was over two hours, I was really concerned. And then I talked to a couple people and they said, listen, like if it's a long form pod, like a long format podcast, people, no one's going to listen to it straight through, right? You listen while you're doing the yeah. dishes and then you put it down. And then when you're on your way to work, you turn it back on. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I do it. And so I was encouraged, like, if it's good, keep it. And if it's not cut it. So that's where yeah. we're at. But I, 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 I promise not to keep you for three hours today. <laughs> I know right. you're not feeling great. If we go, we go twice the length of the actual movie. Yeah, exactly. Which has happened. Um, all right. So Razorback, I will rot. All right. Wait, I've been practicing. Rise a beak. Did I do it? Did it sound right? <laughs> I think it does, if it was in New Zealand. But oh man, damn it! As an actor, I'm the worst at accents and dialects. I'm that sounded exactly every... like a New Zealand accent, though. Okay, well, but they were like raise it back or something like that. Like razor, like they they don't do like a hard A, like razor. I was so excited. Like, razor. I, I was really proud of myself. I did. Uh, I did today. Wait, do it again, my... and I'll say. I'll... I wore my Rocco's Modern Life t-shirt uh, because Rocco is a wallaby from Australia. Just uh, thank for you. you. Yeah. I have my eight mile jacket on, so it representing Detroit. I you look know. so tough today. You look <laughs> representing Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough of me embarrassing myself with my Australian <laughs> fawning over. You can do it again and I'll say it's really good. How's that? Nope. Don't worry. It's too late. You've ruined it for me <laughs> uh, my right. things repeating it sounds like my voice oh. <laughs> razor back is a film based on a novel so the producer of this film so razor back the producer of this film obviously saw jaws and realized hey jaws was based on a novel and it was a big success and he came across the book Razorback and realized it had some potential to also be kind of one of many follow-ups that would imitate Jaws, right? We are directed by Russell Mulcahy, who before this had done almost strictly music videos. He did a ton of Duran Duran. He directed Video Killed the Radio Star. So he has like, he directed the first video on MTV, which is pretty cool. Wow. I literally just read today, MTV News is officially like 86, like no more MTV News, which... Frankly, I thought that show was canceled like years ago. I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. it was still going because they don't even like MTV. Let's do he? <laughs> it's garbage now, right? Like, when's the last time you watched MTV? Uh, I almost have never watched it. I've never had cable, so I never see it. Oh, that's right. Because you're not a Nielsen family. I forgot. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just well. never had it growing up either. Like, I mean, like, if you had cable, we had it, but yeah, just yeah. never had it. So. That means very little to me, but rest well, in peace and stuff like that. Yeah, it is. What <laughs> I it didn't is. know that about the director, though. I didn't even look that up. So yeah, yeah. So he he's a really interesting fellow. He directed. He would go on to direct Highlander, really, and Highlander too. So now knowing that, you can see a lot of the similarities. He's got a very specific style, right? And Razorback is really known for atmosphere and just being beautifully shot i think razorback is like a not great movie that looks really beautiful like he took yeah something that isn't that 
like there's not a lot to the story and the story is kind of messy but he he literally uses the environment as the background like this shots where the guy's just there with like a red moon in the background and like none of that's fake it's just like the shot of the outback everything's so much bigger and clearer it's like you don't need to make anything look better it's just naturally there yeah a lot of that came from Dean Semler, who was the cinematographer. He also was a cinematographer on Ro- uh, The Road Warrior, the Mad Max movie. Oh, yeah. So they oh, actually it's... used a lot of the locations for The Road Warrior. Again, in Razorback, they just shot them from different angles or in different area, you know, places. Yeah, I could imagine that. And that vehicle looks 100% out of that. And those two guys look like they just came from the set of Mad Max. Right. The brothers. Yeah. Oh, completely their cars like there are there are mad max vehicles in this movie and they absolutely are dressed borderline post-apocalyptic like yeah especially the 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 one brother uh dicko he looks ridiculous (laughs) yeah um so special they do not reflect the country (laughs) right special effects were also done by chris murray who also worked on mad max so we get this really interesting team of really cool visual creators, right? Mad Max has such a style, especially like the difference between Mad Max to the road warrior to like Thunderdome, this progression of getting more and more kind of bizarre and post-apocalyptic. I think it's really cool to see that influence in Razorback. Did you see that fact that Stephen King rang him to ask how he did the hallucination scene? I didn't read that one, but I did read that Steven Spielberg called. <laughs> what did I say? Stephen King. King. <laughs> yeah, no, they both called. It was a, <laughs> they Skyped, they both had it. It was a two-way chat. No. Yeah, I met Spielberg. <laughs> I will say the scene where Beth gets attacked in the car was giving me some Cujo vibes anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone needs to learn how to react to shock, I think. During the hallucination scene where there are two moons in the background and they had created, you know, this really cool looking visual effect. This is all before CGI. Literally everything is practical and in camera uh, of two moons. And Steven Spielberg called up and was like, hey, I saw the movie. I really liked it, which is cool considering that Steven Spielberg made Jaws, which is the movie that kind of is the reason Razorback exists. And he's, you know, he asked, how did you do this? When he talked to the director and was given the name Dean Semler, the director of photography, Steven Spielberg actually ended up introducing him to Kevin Costner, who then put him on Dances with Wolves, and Semler ended up winning an Oscar for that movie. So, like, wow. yeah, kind of cool. Jeez, it's like a springboard, this movie, for all these people. Yeah. Well, we have a pretty interesting cast in this. We have Gregory Harrison as Carl Winters. Jeff Bridges was actually... That's who the director wanted and the studio didn't want Jeff Bridges because they didn't think that he was a big enough, like he didn't have star potential, which is so interesting because he ended up being a star. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, chose the wrong one on that one. Yeah. Arky Waitley plays Sarah. So she was in uh, The Road Warriors as well. So she yeah, I looked her up because I thought she was in Body Melt, but she wasn't. But then I saw everything else she's in. I was like, damn. Yeah, she had a lot of work. Now, she died at like 36 years old in 2001 of um, of cancer. Adrenal cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, I literally just looked that up a little while ago. I was like, oh, Really sad. I did. I watched a video of the cast and crew of this movie just talking about working with her. And it kind of was gross because it was all of the men kept saying she was beautiful. She was young. She was tiny and cute. <laughs> and she was really sexy. 
And it's like, that's what you have to say about her, you know? Yeah. And then the woman uh, who played Beth in this movie, Judy Morris, she had a lot more interesting things to say about her. But all right. So Bill Kerr plays Jake Cullen. Chris Haywood plays brother, the brother Benny Baker. And David Argue is Dickie Baker. And then we have Judy Morris as Beth Winters. And those are our most notable cast members. The guy at the beginning's actually quite famous in shows, but like the one who was a cameraman. Yeah. The John Howard guy, because that was, John Howard was literally a prime minister in our country. Not him, but same name. But yeah, he's been in like TV shows forever, that guy. He was only in it for like two seconds, but very small part. But yeah, that's literally the whole cast then. Yeah, he has cameos in, I guess, a lot of like, quote, Ozploitation movies is what I read. I don't know who he is, but are, are any of the other actors like notable Australian icons? Not really. No, none of them almost look familiar at all. Like the old guy looks like someone who'd look familiar, but I can't remember him in shit. Got it. Literally, the that cameraman was the only familiar face I remember from that whole movie. I've never seen anyone else in anything else. So, yeah, considering like some of these people had like big careers, it was never in anything too Australian that I can think of, at least. Yeah, I, I could think be wrong. Just the, nothing I've seen. I think the bigger names were on the production side of this movie for sure. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, why don't we uh, get into the plot of Razorback? Let's go trick-or-treating. Let's get it done. All right, so movie opens. Jake Cullen is tucking in his grandson, and there's a fire in the fireplace, and Right from the start, this movie's gorgeous looking. The use of light and shadow and silhouette and long, like, gorgeous horizons with, like, setting suns where it's just, like, like kind of orange across the horizon and dark above. It really makes the outback look gorgeous. There's a scene where it looks like they're shooting fireworks in the air. I have no idea what that is. That's during the hallucination moment, though, right? Oh, I thought it was... Oh, yeah, it could be. I thought it was... Yeah, he was walking around because I was like, what the fuck is that? I've never seen that before. Like, I could get a shooting star, but I've never seen, like, random bursts of light go up, like flares or something. And there are a couple shooting stars throughout the movie, which I guess if I think about it, in the outback, there's no light around, so you would probably see lots of shooting stars out there, right? I've never actually been out there, but yeah, it's so much more open. You see like everything. So that stuff would be a lot clearer than it would be in like smoggy cities or anything like that. But I was like, is that something they do there? I'm so curious by that. But yeah, again, if it was hallucination, it's probably not real, but that was the only part of the the landscape I wanted to point out. Cool. Well, this movie paints a really interesting picture of the outback. I mean, it's kind of an internet joke that everything in Australia is trying to kill you. And uh, <laughs> this doesn't help. It's, uh, Danny, are you trying to kill me? <laughs> He's holding up a fake knife. In his, well, yeah, I know. I wish I had a real one. That would have been cooler. <laughs> Weird uh, that I was holding it already, though. <laughs> I think, I, you know, I've never been to the Outback. This movie does a great job of introducing it quickly and showcasing. Um, it, it just makes it this like unbelievable place. And I think that, like we mentioned, the upcoming hallucination scene flows so seamlessly into the rest of the movie that is in my opinion kind of the sequence that ties the visual whimsy of this movie together and this movie's not too over the top like other aussie movies where they make it like real crazy like that pub would be pretty accurate and having a camel outside isn't crazy like i'm pretty sure there's a fact where 
Australia either has the most or second amount of camels in the world. So I never realized that there were fucking camels in Australia. Yeah. Are they native? To- I think they ship them to Egypt and shit. That's insane. Like in the outback and stuff. But yeah, they have like races and stuff. That's insane. I had no idea. They give the camel some beer at one point. <laughs> yeah. But we're not there yet. All right. So Jake has, he's he's an older man. He is a, a kangaroo hunter and he's got a reputation. Like he's he's known. But we don't find that out until a moment later because this peaceful, beautiful scene is interrupted by a fucking insane razorback bursting through his house. <laughs> So they they made multiple animatronics for this Razorback. And they also made this elaborate costume that they put on a real boar. Yeah, yeah, I read that. (laughs) For distant shots. And that actually looks surprisingly good. Yeah. It's mostly in silhouette at that point, but it looks great. But one of the animatronics that they used for this was actually made so that it could be shot out of a cannon to bust through the house. So, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, there's a moment where you just see something move through the walls real, real fast. And it was literally an animatronic bore that was bust through a cannon. They also made one that was made for battering. And that's pretty much just the head attached to like a mechanical hammer that would then slam into walls oh. and doors. So it would bust through. And then they yeah. had a couple of them that were full bodies. Yeah, wow. So that's the good thing. We're doing it again. I learned so much more. Yeah. Well, Russell Mulcahy, the director, he specifically didn't want to show the Razorback almost at all. And, you know, to kind of keep in line with Jaws, which hardly shows the shark, but the studio really pressured him into showcasing the Razorback more. They spent a quarter of a million dollars on, on the main animatronic. And so they really wanted him to use it. Yeah. Like I less think, is more with creatures usually. Well, I think it's shot in a way that you, I mean, there's a lot of shake camera shaking and extreme close up. I think it, what you see looks really good. Yeah. It's an impressive beast. Yeah, it doesn't look corny at all. You don't see shit like what like probably a minute worth of footage all up maybe. Yeah, it's real it's it's Not real much. quick. It's it's only on screen for, you know, brief amounts of time. The I, the thing is there's a lot of shots of only its head, which I think gives it a little bit less of a believability. You know, if there were more shots of the entire beast, it might. But, you know, this thing was the size of a rhinoceros. It's five times the size of a normal boar. Yeah. So the mobility of it, I think, was challenging at the time and with the budget that they were working with. Have you ever seen a wild boar? Is that a thing where you live? No. No? No, I hear people, like, country people. That's not really my thing, but they're like, we're going pigging. Like pigging, I think, is killing those sort of things and hunting them and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like I remember people having like armor for their dogs. So because pretty much if their dogs attack them before they can shoot them and yeah, they get one of those tusks in them, the dog's gone. Yeah, they're real. Shoot something easier. They're fucking scary. We I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and there are javelinas there, which are not nearly as big as this creature, but they're they'll fuck you up they'll they'll charge you yeah pigs and uh they'll fuck you up i remember i was in rehearsal for a show once and we came out of the theater and there was like a pack of javelinas in the parking lot and we had to wait until they left before we could go to our cars fucking hell i've never even heard of that sounds like a peak like hyena and something else uh they're they're definitely not googling it now (laughs) definitely not googling right now (laughs) uh they'll mess you up they're not super super huge but they're uh you know you don't want to you don't want to mess with them. 
Yeah. I didn't even know that. I love hearing about new creatures. So going pigging. So, and going like, oh, yeah, kind of, they look cool. Shooting kangaroos is kind of a population control thing as well. I, so the Baz Luhrmann movie, Australia with Nicole Kidman and, and Hugh Jackman is not a great movie, but I think the best part of the movie is when Nicole Kidman first arrives in Australia and she's riding with, these poachers in a vehicle and she sees a kangaroo hopping past and she's from England and she's so excited and she's saying, oh, I've never <laughs> seen a kangaroo before. Oh, look, it's a kangaroo. Oh, they're kangaroos. Oh, Big red. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. I've never seen a kangaroo. Beautiful jumping. They're jumping. Oh, oh it's beautiful. Uh. Oh, look at them jumping. And then someone yeah. shoots it and she screams. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it's. Yeah. That's. That movie ended and I thought it was over. And then a whole nother plot started to develop. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. Like I remember falling asleep in that. I have not watched the full thing of that before. I, when they got to wherever they were going with the cattle, I thought the movie was over and then it wasn't. And I don't <laughs> think I've. I don't think I finished the movie. <laughs> It's like the first part of Lord of the Rings. We got there. Oh, no, no, that's only the first hill. We're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I saw Nicole Kidman see a kangaroo and I saw Hugh Jackman pour water over his shirtless body. That's all I needed to see. Yeah, that's that's what we all look like. So, All right, so this this boar has taken Jake's grandson, like two years old, literally gone. And so Jake crawls out of his house the boar stole my baby. Well, that was the thing. This, uh, it's speculated that this was, and I had the same thought, inspired by the death of Azaria Chamberlain, the yeah, little girl. Too soon. Very soon after. So her mother, Azaria went missing while they were camping. And her mother yeah. claimed that a dingo stole her baby, which is a very sad story. You can right? say it if you want. <laughs> I feel like... What? <laughs> People don't say it unless they, they use it. Dingo stole my baby. <laughs> yeah, well, because no, uh, Meryl Streep played her in the movie uh, Cry in the Dark. I think it was Sam Neill in that movie also. I, yeah, I think it, I think it's something I had to watch at school, to be honest. Very, yeah, very famous. It's become camp, unfortunately, line of Meryl Streep running around screaming, Dingo stole my baby. And it's real sad. But, um, so the oh, woman... no, I think because it came a catchphrase, it's like. It took it the, the sadness of the tragedy away. It just became like a, oh, the dingo got my baby. And it's like, the dingo's got my baby. Yeah, There's no musicals to that bit. That mother was acquitted. She was charged, like she was accused of murdering the baby. And she, you know, her excuse was that the dingo took it and no one ever found her. There wasn't enough evidence. So she was acquitted. The same thing happens in this movie. He, there's a moment where Jake is, scree like he falls to his knees he's crawled out of his, his house is burning because there was a fire in the fireplace and he's it's this great epic shot of his blazing home behind him and he just falls no, to his instantly knees. catches a fire yeah it's pretty quick it's a little too quick but it looks cool uh screaming screaming in agony and then we get the title card razorback <laughs> yeah and we cut to a trial scene with everyone in the in this little small outback town talking about how you know we think he killed this kid and there's not enough evidence for that and he's claiming that it was a massive boar kangaroo court kangaroo court is <laughs> no i just thought that's an expression it was like letting the town people just join in <laughs> like 
can the judge and the lo- like the lawyers do this? Well, it, it there doesn't seem to be a lot of order because everyone's it's a small town. Everyone's there. Everybody knows each other. This guy's no. reputation is shot. Even his daughter. <laughs> yeah. Where's the ball? I saw no ball. Yeah, his daughter even like turns her back on him. So his reputation is ruined. The town agrees that maybe he didn't do it. Maybe he did, but he now has a mission in life and that is to kill this fucking Razorback. And leave it at the pub so they believe me. Yeah, he wants it on display. So we cut to two years later and now we're in New York City and we meet an American reporter. Her name is Beth with her husband, Carl. And uh, she is a wildlife rights activist, animal rights activist, and she's an investigative journalist. And we see on the news that she's just had a run-in with uh, a man that he's been doing illegal animal act, you know, killing activity. And she has this opportunity to go to Australia to investigate people who are killing like a, an excessive amount of kangaroos. There's one thing for population yeah. control. And here's my disclaimer, everybody. I don't know anything about the ecology of like population control or, you know, killing deer mm. to keep them from being too many or anything like that. And I certainly don't know anything about kangaroos. So that's my disclaimer. Turn it off. What do you say? <laughs> Turn it off. Turn it off. You've been a fraud this whole time. <laughs> it turns out she'll be gone for their anniversary, which is super, you know. Sad. Yeah, I was confused by that. Did he propose and then she left and then he's like, uh, Carl Weathers, you remember last name? And I'm like, when did you get married? I think the ring is just an anniversary gift. I think oh, that they've, they've okay, been married. Yeah, yeah so the, the ring is just an anniversary gift. And he, Carl encourages her. They have this really cute moment. It's the, literally their only scene together in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's pretty well done. So the exterior shots of New York were done actually in New York. And then their apartment was in Sydney, like a set in Sydney. Oh. Well, that connects us pretty well then. It's like both of our hometowns. Oh, you're right. Look at that. Sort of. So are you going to give me a ring anytime Too soon? Well. Yeah, really. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Can't think of anything funny. <laughs> she goes to... Australia. I have a boner. No. <laughs> oh, that kind of ring. No. <laughs> she... Cock ring. <laughs> she goes to Australia and she... She does not ease herself gently into the local culture of this outback. No, she did not learn a lesson from the first time, I don't think. No, she pretty instantly pisses everybody off. She walks into the pub where everybody's drinking, and it kind of reminded me, there's an episode of Murder, she wrote, where Jessica Fletcher, Angela Lansbury, walks into a pub in Australia, and everyone just, it's like walking into the doors of a saloon in an old Western, like everyone stops what they're doing and stares at her, which I have had happen to me just oh really like i mean you walk into certain bars in certain parts of the country and i'm clearly skip the record record and everything you just get stared down if you're gay or if you're dressed like borderline goth as i'm always borderline goth and (laughs) uh, you just don't look like everybody man i walked into a walmart in arkansas once and i thought i was gonna get hate crime (laughs) it was really scary honestly yeah that's bad when we drove through north texas we turned on local radio and we had to turn off the radio and decided not to stop literally anywhere because it was fucking terrifying jeez yeah 
you know, what you doing not, here, boy? Not everybody in those parts of the country are terrible, but unfortunately, the ones who are are really bad. But anyway, so she instantly mm. starts attacking people with this camera and saying, are you killing yeah. kangaroos? She's filming like the beginning of her expose, talking about how somewhere in this area, people are, uh, I think 800,000 kangaroos have been reported. Yeah, it was killed. a ridiculous amount of numbers. Buy yeah. them some bees first. She could have easily won them over, I think. That's true. Well, she 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 she's too late with the beers. <laughs> she's already pissed everybody yeah. off. She does bring a couple people beers later, but I think they're working for her anyway. So what she is talking about how the these kangaroos are being illegally poached and then turned into pet food at some undisclosed uh, slaughterhouse. I think she, yeah. she uses the word like these kangaroos are being turned into what is inevitably a an, uh, cat and dog excretion on the streets <laughs> yeah like do you mean food right you're skipping a step where they ingest it going straight yeah. from the dog poop so anyway she's pissed Look everybody, at this. <laughs> pissed everybody off and she specifically pisses off these two guys the baker brothers who they were at the trial two years earlier and these guys are fucking insane still like, wearing the tuxedo so they're they're as you mentioned before they're borderline like and i think they get more and more post-apocalyptic looking as the show as the film goes on right yeah but they do drive this massive insane big vehicle that looks straight out of mad max yeah with a spotlight on top of it so she ends up following them and recording them slaughtering these kangaroos now the the kangaroo carcasses in this film were actually sheep real sheep carcasses that were then kind of sliced up to look more like a kangaroo and oh yeah particularly in the film's finale they they smelled awful they were put on ice overnight and they were hosed down with like a deodorant spray but it wasn't enough you're on you're in australia where it's hot you're under these hot film lights so apparently it reeked which kind of reminded me of the dinner scene in texas chainsaw massacre they had real rotting meat on the table there and they were filming for days and the meat just kept getting more and more rancid and yuck and he stick like shit as well isn't that the other thing like his outfit was just like like putrid or something like that yeah they're just a couple of really gross guys running this operation uh has his laugh (laughs) he so here's the thing like He does a he might be in my I think he's my favorite performance in this film. He's disgusting and scary and unhinged, you know. So basically, Dicko is the really, really crazy unhinged one. And then his brother, Benny, is you say it on your podcast. He he kind of sees it happening, sees Dicko's behavior and doesn't do anything about it, but he lets it go. Yeah, he enables it. But yeah, Benny's laugh is like so strange. He's just like, <laughs> like he's a goat or something. He does it for so part, of, like half of the movie. You're like, what are you doing? I think it's a he great He does it all choice. the time. The guy who plays Dicko, so he he was driving the director insane. He showed up on set one day and he had shaved a patch in the back of his head and said, uh, my character has ringworm. And I guess he got kicked out of the motel that the cast was staying at as well because he was just too fucking weird for them. <laughs> oh yeah, he's been method or something, right? Yeah. They see her filming and come for her. He like rips the lens off of her camera. She runs away, jumps in her car. She kind of laughs at them as she drives yeah, away. Yeah, she taunts them when she runs off. Yeah, which just makes things worse because when sun goes down, she's still driving and 
they come for her in their Mad Max car. And it's like a no. group of kangaroo killers. Is there like a na- poachers, I guess? Yeah, I guess. I th- yeah, I don't know what they they've probably got like a better name, something like that. Probably poachers, something like that. So I know they... cars do have those like that car's ridiculous. Like that's Mad Maxi for sure, but some do have like bull bar, like kind of what trains have. Right. Uh like, like a, a cattle guard. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that thing's just crazy. <laughs> I think there's like barbed wire on the top and it's just a lot. Uh, so they there's a car chase and they ram her off the road. It's pretty vicious. It's very well filmed. You know, I mean, it's giving Mad yeah. Max vibes. She's rammed off the road and the scene gets... That's here's the, the thing about this movie. Uh, this movie is a lot more mean-spirited than I remembered it being. There's not... There's no humor in this film. Nothing happy happens. You know, it's a mean-spirited film throughout. Yeah. And Dicko drags her out of the car by her hair and begins to sexually assault her at the encouragement of all of the other men. And before this... Ha- like, before it happens... The Razorback rams into their car and everyone starts yelling and they say, we got to get out of here. They all jump into their Mad Max vehicle and drive off, leaving her alone. Yeah. She dives into her car. And this is a scene that was cut down. There were three sequences that were cut down dramatically because they were too violent for the outcome of the film. This oh, is okay. Scene. What were they? So oh, sorry, I, about this. Yeah, this is the first one. I looked them up. You can watch them on YouTube. When the so the Razorback comes for her and busts into her car and drags her out, and that's kind of all that we see. The cut scene shows her struggling more. The thing is, it's not super gory, it's just very upsetting to see her, especially after what has just happened to her, try to, yeah, you know, crawl out of the windshield. Worse worse. Yeah, and she's unable to make it. And so, we we don't see as much happening with this, it's more like the tone of the sequence, I think, than the actual gore. I thought it was a bit weird. She just stares at it as well. It's like, do you know how they look scared? But I guess maybe that was shock. You know when she first sees it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a moment where she just stares it down and then then starts screaming as it starts busting through the door. It's really effective. It's really sad. There's an... It's just weird. And it's very sudden. And you think that she is going to be the lead of the film. And then suddenly she's not. Oh, I know. That's the mislead. Hey, because you're like... I'm like, it's fucking 20 minutes into the movie. I'm like, or less. It's like, this is grim. I'm like, who's taking over now? Yeah. And I guess part of me thought she might come back. I don't, not until later did I realize that she she was definitely a goner. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, like she pops up later and she's kind of all like, comes back like tough. Like she's like, I've survived the outback. I know how to handle <laughs> these things now. Like she shows up at the last minute to kill it and then gets back with her husband or something. Maybe. Well, her husband does come to Australia looking for her because he hasn't heard from her. Gets to town. he So he rides a bus to this bus stop where someone just gives him his car. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. he, uh, I don't know. He's very trusting. Yeah, I guess. He asks, is there a taxi to get to this small town? And the guy laughs and says, I haven't seen a taxi since 1956. And it was lost. <laughs> you better take yeah. my car. And he just hands over the keys. Yeah, because you uh, think he's kind of like stirring him up, but he's just like, no, there you go. Yeah. I left. Like, it just does, like, you know, be careful with it, fill it up before you bring it back. I'm like, oh, he's pretty kind. That's kind. I don't yeah. know if this guy ever got his car back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we never see him again. So yeah. Carl gets in the car, but he gets in on the left side, like an American car would be. 
and uh it's uh, a, <laughs> a quick little oh yeah and he scoots over to the right uh he has some trouble steering has to figure out how to drive on the right side of a car which is that joke makes sense now and he yells be, out it's like left side yeah that might be the only bit of humor in the entire film he makes it <laughs> and, he makes it and uh starts heads to the pub asking around now he's under a different name he's not giving them his name and his last name because he doesn't want them to associate him yeah. with Beth. he played that well yeah because it, it's known that Smart they would move. hate beth she's an animal rights activist she's trying to shut down their livelihood right mm. makes buddies Beach. with the baker brothers who take him on an excursion yeah they're drinking <laughs> They're hanging out in this Mad Max car. They drive past a farm and the Baker brothers talk about this woman who lives there named Sarah. And they make some vulgar comments implying that she's, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, if you want a good time, go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're really And then disgusting. it's like implied that they haven't done that though. You're right. like, make your mind up. Yeah. He... <laughs> like we, we tried and she said, fuck off. So exactly. Maybe you'll have a crack. I don't know. I feel like they're being nice to him at first. That's how I took it. Like, they were kind of like testing him out, like, oh, we got a new guy to hang out with. And then like progressively over time, they keep testing him out and he doesn't seem to win them over. But yeah, well, he I didn't feel like they were fucking with him at first. He tells them he's Canadian and that, you know, that he hunts deer. You know, that I never picked up on that lie. <laughs> yeah, he tells them they're tells yeah, he's from he's New York. <laughs> Canadian. You know, they say, do you do any hunting? And he says he hunts deer. And so they are going to take him hunting. And so they're going ruining and night has fallen and they tell him you know you use this spotlight because the, the kangaroo will get yeah they get stunned or something date mesmerize yeah yeah they get mesmerized and stare into it and then that lets that gives you time to to go in and one of them shoots a kangaroo now it's really interesting the violence against the animals the director specifically is very like not hurting like he did not want to hurt any animals so like there's a scene yeah. where a pig falls down he used a trip wire to just kind of tip it over oh okay yeah i wondered about that as well like because there's other ones around this time that do not hold back they're like there's one called like dead at night or like uh fucking i can't remember what it is um something fried or whatever like and yeah they go hunting as well they take a guy out and they just shoot them it's like a sequence for 10 minutes it's like controversial as hell because it's like just shooting kangaroos like footage of probably 10 minutes straight of them just shooting kangaroos and hitting them with cars. And Oh my God. It's fucked. I haven't seen that. I I mean, you think of like cannibal Holocaust where they kill real animals in that movie as yeah. well. It's waking fright. That's the thing. Waking fright. I've not heard of that. It's Australian. Yeah. yeah. They take an American out and basically so, sort of thing, but yeah, it's like 10 minutes of like legit killing of kangaroos. My God. Well, this film, the kangaroo is shot off screen. And yeah. it makes Carl probably learn from that. It makes Carl sick and he actually starts throwing up. He a little bit gets on Dicko, which I think is hilarious. Charming. They, yeah, they throw him out of the car and uh he says, You guys didn't kill it. Like the thing is still alive. And they say, Yeah, if we kill it, the meat tenses up, and then you're kind of spoiling, you know, it's easier, yeah. it's easier to dissect if it's still alive. And he grabs like a, a blade, a giant kind almost like a machete, but more like an axe. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a cleaver or something. Yeah. And, just and he completely does the opposite of what he got told to do. Yeah, he finishes it off and, uh, and Mark, you know, dramatically as well. It's a great fucking shot. It's just his silhouette. The, uh, 
I can't express the cinematography in this film enough. Even if it's not a masterpiece, it is absolutely, absolutely worth watching. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. Yeah, hacks it up and then they're like, fuck you. But then they were nice enough. They were like, okay. He's like, don't leave here because if you go walkabouts, we're going to lose you. And they throw him a blanket and then he, he goes for another fucking sleep. I don't, do you reckon he hallucinates? I know we're jumping ahead a bit, but is he hallucinating because he's gone an hour without sleeping? <laughs> he does he just, sleep a lot. I, I'm going to blame jet lag. Yeah. I'm totally going to blame jet lag. That's a good point. Before they go away, they tell him, skin it, gut it. We're giving, we'll be back in five or six hours. You fucked everything up. Were they going to come back for him? I guess. I don't know. It's a little bit of a shaky plot point for me. I think it's yeah. just an excuse to get him lost in the desert. He does yeah. not do what they tell him to <laughs> and starts wandering around. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, he go, he, he, he's a bore or something when he's like with the kangaroo because he wakes up from sleeping on it. And then he, he runs off, ends up at the windmill, sleeps at the top of it. And then once he comes out of there... Um, that's when he starts, I don't know, he gets hallucinates after a day of being stranded, I guess. Yeah, because he ties himself to the top of this like shitty windmill to get away from these boars that are, it's not the Razorback, but that are kind of, you know, around surrounding him. And it makes then, it sound like they all attack everyone. Well, we hear, we learn later that the, there is an influx lately going on. We, it's not explained oh, why. Yeah, the- but so Stress while he's at the top such. of it, the boars are like knocking into it and the windmill falls into like a puddle of gross water. And he realizes, hey, fuck you guys. That's you a local pools, mate. You can't swim, which I do believe pigs can. Sw- like there are pigs who swim. Yeah. I've seen diving pigs. They literally do that like on shows. Yeah. They dive like, and like have competitions and stuff. There's like a famous beach where these pigs swim from an island to the beach once a year as like part of a migration or something. It's part of mating season. Really? Oh, it's really cool. You got to check it <laughs> out. It's like this beautiful beach. Pigs love, live on an island. They swim out to the beach. I think they fuck and then they go back to the island. Something like that. It's really cool. People like travel from around the world to witness it happening. The sex part? The, se- the pig sex. Piggy sex. <laughs> Sounds like fun to me. Yes, swimming. <laughs> <laughs> from this pool of gross water begins to wander the desert and we it's cool we ease into a hallucination dream sequence you know where as i was watching it i kept i I thought to myself this has like a salvador dolly feel to it and then i read one of the reviews described the whole movie as dolly-esque which i thought was pretty cool oh yeah like you he's the one who does that melting clock and shit melting clocks yeah exactly yeah yeah that's 100 percent what that looks like with the big crack that i assume wasn't there no, it wasn't. They used a glass painting in front of the lens for that. There's like a massive crack that's crater. Clever. Yeah, in the uh, in the desert at one point. He's sitting down wrapping. His feet are bloody and disgusting. And it's cool because you don't know, are they really that bad or is he hallucinating them? And yeah, as he's I thought doing that was it, quick. the ground behind him starts to like, something is rising up out of it. This was all shot practically. So this dream sequence, the director was told, we don't have time or money to do it. And the director decided, fuck you, I need this sequence. And so he took two days without telling the studio after the shooting was done and filmed this. And the guy who plays Carl is a body double because Carl was already gone. He had wrapped up. Oh, that's why he's always so far away in the distance. Yeah, or just his bloody feet. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We have interesting color gradients. The the skeleton of a horse rises from the ground. How did they do the ground thing? That was what amazed me. I was like, Jesus, like... 
It, I, getting solid dirt ground that's like compacted for so long to suddenly like burst out with nothing around it. I'm like that would be 100% probably, dirt. Like, dug a hole off camera and then made a tunnel like Bugs Bunny over to be in, in the oh, shop yeah. and then rose from underneath it, right. you know? It looks cool. He yeah, wanders and... I could not get my head around that scene. Yeah. Well, he does eventually... Uh, there's a moment, like we mentioned before, with two moons. Suddenly it's nighttime and he's still wandering and there are two moons in the background, which is cool because you don't realize it until you do, you know? I didn't notice it, to be honest. Really? Yeah, that was... Specific. <laughs> yeah, not so they, said that, I was, I was just going to be quiet about when it. When Spielberg asked about that shot, they divulged that they made a prop moon to put in the background. And so that's the one that's orangey and lower to the ground. We see it again used brilliantly with Kyle, the hunter. Yeah. Um, a little bit later. But so anyway... Oh, that's what I talked about before. That's the moon you're talking about? Yeah, but... there. I said there was a big, bright moon. I was like... Yeah. I just assumed it was natural. No, that one was oh, a wow. prop. So Damn. he ends up being rescued. He wakes up in a bed and it is at Sarah's farm. She's super kind, but there's a fake out where he sees her face and then she turns around and she has the face of a pig. And it's a really good jump scare. Oh yeah. It's really quick. Uh, they don't like focus on it. It's just real scary. Was the documentary only about the naked top scene, like top of scene for like two seconds? When you're like, every guy's like, oh, she was fucking beautiful. Oh, well, that, so it's an interesting, so he, when he gets out of bed, he, oh, no, wait, 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 he comes upon her while she's showering outside. Yeah, and then That's he faints, right. and then he wakes up in the bed. And then he faints and wakes up in the bed. So interesting fact about this uh, showering scene, she, the actress refused to do it initially and could not be talked into it. And so they hired a body double for her. And she said, well, I don't know about this. Let me look at this actress and see if I approve. And she literally said the woman had some cellulite problems in her hip, hips and thighs. And so she didn't want the world to think that that's what her naked body looked like. So she <laughs> got this body double fired and she ended up doing the, the scene herself. Wow. I misread that. I did see the cellulite thing, but I thought it was her. Oh, no. wow. Yeah. So I learned so much talking to you. <laughs> So uh, he runs into her while she's showering. He passes out. She puts him in the bed. And then when he wakes up, sees her, imagines the pig face. And then he slowly starts to come to as he gets more, you know, he hydrates. He eats something. It's scary as well, hey, because it hits you with like loud sounds. It's like, yeah. like it's like the volume's just like boom, turned yeah. right up at first. Because it's like, it's a shock and the sound. You're like, shit. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really good really effective you know yeah you're like oh miss piggy <laughs> so we learned that sarah works she has a grant from the government to track pigs in the local area and kind of keep track of what's going on she divulges that they they have a lot of stress she dissected one the week before and it had a stress ulcer and she said, this is unusual. They should not be this stressed out. Why? So they're acting more violently and they're stressed out. Well, we're going to, in our heads, we start to figure out it's because this massive, you know, rhino-sized razorback is running around. And so it's freaking all the rest of the pigs out and causing them to miss. Alpha dogging them. Yeah, right. We cut over to Jake, our the hunter, the guy who lost his grandson. He is in peace. 
to me is a little bit of a mix. Of, he reminds me of like Muldoon from Jurassic Park, the Velociraptor oh, yeah. like expert. Yeah. You know, he's got like that vibe. With a heart. With a heart. Yeah. And so he is, you know, hellbent and finding this Razorback, comes across this pit with like bones and mud. And he's searching around and in some pig shit basically he finds beth's ring that was given to her yeah i think that's the same watering hole is it that That he fell into earlier i i got that sense yeah it's just the water has kind of cleared out at this point yeah like dried up yeah i don't know what the fuck that is like it's like a shed for pumping water but yuck who would drink that shit so gross so chocolate milk in it. he brings it over to sarah's he meets carl and he gives carl the ring and Carl has to embrace that his wife has been eaten by a giant oversized wild boar. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. She's gone. So Benny and Dicko overhear a conversation on the radio. Jake is saying he he knows what happens to Beth. Now, Jake is under the Jake knows that a pig ate her. Yeah. Benny and Dicko think that he thinks that they were involved. So they come for him and uh, it's Benny's cornering him and talking to him. And then from behind Dicko comes in and whacks him on the head and knocks him out. Yeah. Benny's like, why did you do that? Now you've ruined it. Now he, when he wakes up, he's going to know that we did this and it's going to incriminate us. Right. Yeah, He eggs him on in that scene, which is like, He's kind of like, just do it. Just fucking do it. And then the brother's like, oh, oh something about like, just finish him off or do something. And then that's when he's like, oh, fuck. And then he hits him. You're like, I feel like it looked like he wasn't going to do it if he the brother didn't yell out to him. Right. So totally. Anytime just, he's encouraging him to do something shit. Yeah. And so they decide, so Jake is knocked out and they decide, well, we're just going to bust his legs. And then he can't tell anybody. So instead of killing him, they bust his legs with bolt cutters. And they killed two Jake dogs wakes- as well. Is that right? Well, when Jake wakes up, his dog Spider is like checking on him. And he- <laughs> it's like talking to Lassie, like, go get some help, Lassie. Um, yeah. Because he tells Spider, go get Sarah. Like, go tell Sarah. Which I looked at my cat and thought, would he help me if I were in trouble? And the answer is a resounding no. He'd probably wait around and eat my eyeballs as soon as I die. <laughs> motherfucker you're my food now that is how i imagine myself going is uh dying alone in an apartment when i'm old and gray and my cat's just yeah my body (laughs) circle of life circle of life it'll uh sustain them and then they'll move on and in some weird sad way yeah they'll lay babies in you and then those babies will eat more of your corpse and then eat the mom and i don't know i don't know how cats work probably not like that not like that, Danny. That was too much. Trying <laughs> to get how cats work. No. He tells the dog they lay eggs in don't... other people, right? Uh, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> Just to be clear, I know they don't lay eggs. Okay, so he sends the dog for help, and as soon as the dog is gone, he crawls into this water pump shed, 
drinks some of the water that it's producing and lays against the wall and the Razorback comes for him and it busts through. And this is, it's such a well shot scene. It gets him, but this is one of the scenes that was cut. Uh, there was a really vicious mauling sequence. And what are these scenes for? It, it, because producers and censors just said that it was too much. It rips his face off. Oh, really like, nice. Bites his face and pulls it off. And it is pretty, it's a lot. Here's my thing is that I don't mind the, the gore. I also don't know that this movie needs it. Yeah, it's I guess cool it's to see more. Yeah, like it's cool to see more of the Razorback. More palatable but, if they don't have incredible gory scenes. Well, and a little bit like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you never see somebody get hit with a chainsaw. It cuts away right before. And it's your imagination that makes that movie a lot gorier than it is. There's probably like a gallon of blood max in that movie, maybe, you know? No, it's not too bad. You know that... what I... Oh, sorry. Okay. Go for it. Oh, no, I was going to say, you know what it felt like with that scene? Um, it When he was like... He car- uses a chain and digs himself through the mud and the other pigs are there. And then he sort of sits up his back against the wall and he's like, oh, no. It reminded me 100% of Scar's death, like, spoiler in the Lion King of like the hyenas did it. And then like, they all sort of start leaning up and coming up against him. And he's like, no, I didn't, I, I've been good. To-. And then they're like, oh yes. You know, and they just start fucking swarming in, but like the, the fucking ball does the final job. But I felt like it's like, he's been shooting these things for so long. He fucking hates them. And then they finally turn on him. That's I don't know. I got a lot of weird Disney references in this. I don't know why. It's <laughs> well, just not does, listening yeah. to it so much. <laughs> Pumba and uh, that's I mean that's yeah, a good point because yeah. while this guy does have a heart you know and you are kind of he's he's on this revenge path that you can understand he is also you know killing a bunch of animals yeah the pigs aren't going to be like oh that's cool that you kill my family sorry about one person doing something like do we deserve everything yeah oh, cool man there is it is a kind of a it's a hard-hitting scene because he's not someone that I expected to die either no you know but like games of thrones brutal... and walking dead how they just surprise you with the fucking death and you're like what? yeah what and in such a like brutal mean way like i like i said before this movie is harsh it's cold like there's a, a coldness to to this story yeah they're just like oh, i gotta knock off all of their humor. main people it's upsetting yeah make you feel bad for him and then just knock him off sarah has dropped carl off at the bus stop right carl's like my wife is dead I need to go home. When she drops him off at the bus stop, they like there's a quick peck on the lips. Yeah. Which I guess they're planting the seed of them being attracted to each other, but like, bro, your wife isn't even like the body's not even cold yet. Well, yeah, he's I guess it's, kind of swapping it out by the look of it. Lose one, gain one. So. <laughs> Lose one, gain one. Have you got so, Farmer Wants a Wife over there? Have what? What's that? There's a show called Farmer Wants a Wife where like these farmers are like, oh, I live on a farm. I do all this shit on my own. You know, it'd be nice to meet a lady. And then it's kind of like The Bachelor, how like a bunch of girls start trying to like, kind of like married at first sight or whatever, if you have that as well. But it's like a bunch of girls try to win over one of the guys so they can marry them and win a farmer sort of thing. No, That's what I kind of felt that was going to like, you know, he's doing the reverse she's the farmer though like farmer wants a husband bringing in a bachelor yeah he's like do you want 
Oh, that, Did that you watch it. that show? No. No, I that's it. The, the most I, I can describe it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a reality TV guy, especially. Neither. I did. I got lost in Love Island once. And oh, yeah. I, did. I, I had to pull myself out of that black hole. <laughs> it's it's gross. It's, I don't know. It, this is, I was going to say, it's probably not the this first is why time. Writers, this is why writers don't get paid enough because there's other forms of gr- crappy entertainment out there for people to watch knock out cheap shit and people are like we don't even need to write it it writes itself exactly give them drinks and set them in a such situation so i guess Sarah i really Paulson, don't watch any reality stuff i don't i don't either and i don't think i ever have um i would watch like the real world and road rules back in the day but you didn't have mtv so you don't know what i'm talking about but i know what the real world is only because i always say like parried it like parodied whatever the fuck that word is but i don't know what what was the other one? Road rules. Road rules. It was basically the real world, but they were on road trips. Oh, right. Yeah, like in a giant trailer. That's cool. And I remember then, one that was um, called Next. That Next. Was, oh, like yeah, the dating show. Oh, that was, that was a mean Next. show, too. Yeah, I know. Like They seem straight away. They come out, hey, I'm Jimmy, and I'm fucking blah, blah, blah. And they come out like, nope. And you're like, well, that's good for my ego. Thanks. Seriously. Can you I run me over about the that bus show? Now? That that's the show where I learned the term butterface. Like <laughs> she's hot, butterface. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's real mean. I, I speaking of road rules, I hooked up with someone who was on that show, but I cannot remember his name to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice little claim to fame. That's my story. That's my tie to MTV. Would Actually, you like an Australian? Oh, sorry. Road rules might have been on VH1. Now that I think about it, I don't remember. But then they had the real world road rules like collaborations. It's all a blur. Would you like the Australian butterface term? Yeah. I don't know if you have it there. I don't know if it works the same, but like if you say she's a prawn, a prawn? or guy, I guess. Why? Because like prawn, you rip the head off, but you eat, like the body's good. Oh my like, God. <laughs> like that's kind of like the same thing. Like, you know, oh, you know, she's good apart from the head. Wow, that's fucked up. Or guy, either way. Or guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That's it. Um, a food, but ver- oh, I guess it's both food, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> butter and prawn. Prawns are good in butter, also. Yeah. You can be Listen, like, next time you see a guy, you're like, like he's got a six pack, but his face is bad. You're like, oh, he's a prawn. He's a prawn. Don't I say guess. it to him. Obviously, it's not going to go down well. <laughs> no, it would not. Or him. <laughs> But <laughs> he won't go down. All right. Let's let, so uh get me the back dog on has track. Been sent for Sarah. She drives away from the bus stop. And we also see the Baker brothers driving on their insane Mad Max vehicle. They're singing Ease on Down the Road from the Wiz. Is that what that <laughs> Yeah, it's from the Wiz. Oh, nice. And they see Spider, the dog, running, and Dicko runs over the dog. And his brother, Brenny, says, why did you do that? And Dicko has this moment. I think it's an interesting character moment where he says, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I just wanted to. Like, he's he's Felt got like this unhinged, idea. violent nature, you know? Yeah. He's, he, he's got this, this, this. He had coolness. no answer. He was just like, I don't just seem something to do, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting oh, because no. it. it it, it makes you 
if you were going to defend what they're doing to the kangaroos because it's their livelihood, it's clear now that he also just really likes killing, you know, killing animals. Yeah. If he just ran over this dog for no reason, if he just broke Jake's legs with the bolt cutters for, you know. Because Jake wakes up with the dog on him, but there's two dogs laying next to him. Like he had a whole, like four dogs or something. Like when I saw it today, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, those fuckers killed the other dogs. I didn't realize that. Yeah, because I can't imagine they were just laying down, unless they were just sleeping next to him. But you feel like he sends one dog off because, like, he might, like, why wouldn't he have sent the other dogs? Right. It's like, you need motherfuckers. <laughs> send, send all the dogs. Yeah. Fly, my unless, pretties. <laughs> unless oh, they've been. You don't speak English. You don't know where you're sending us. Yeah. Uh, that You got to really stretch your imagination for that to work. So Sarah's driving and she sees poor dead spider in the road and starts to put things together. Comes back, picks up Carl and says, I need your help. So they find, basically Jake got a tracking device on the pig at some point uh, with a, a dart gun. They find Jake in the water pump shed. And this was another thing that was cut. It was gonna show his faceless head uh, with bugs crawling all over it. And you can find that clip on YouTube as well. Oh man. Instead, we get kind of their reaction to looking at it and her seeing that her friend, it, she's got this, they, she's written almost with like a daddy complex because she hangs out with this older man. They're not romantic, but then when she gives Carl some clothes, she sees him and looks down at his trousers and says, yeah, oh, that was I, weird. Haven't seen a, I haven't seen a man in my dad's trousers since he died. Looks nice. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, and she's like looking at him when he's in bed like, hmm. Like that yeah. was my dad's bed. And like, she's got this clear shot of where her dad sleeps every night. She's like, it's weird not sneaking in there. Uh, so they also find marks in the dirt from Dicko's cleaver. And he puts two and two together because when he chopped up the kangaroo, when he finished off uh, the kangaroo, he recognized the chops in the dirt from the same cleaver. So he puts two and two together, realizes Dicko and Benny had something to do with this. And he's pissed. Sarah goes to town and hits up the pub and is trying to round people up to be like, we got to kill this Razorback. It got Jake. Uh, please, you got to believe me this thing exists. And they do believe her. Yeah, and, mob song. You know, she says, yeah, we have this tracker. We know where it is. So she gets the posse to follow her. And in the meantime, Carl goes to the illegal kangaroo meat animal food canning slaughterhouse facility <laughs> yeah and uh runs he takes on benny, benny first on the yeah, way he takes on and it's a it's a it's a good scene this is where carl steps up and becomes kind of a hero of the movie mm. benny he pushes him down into a mine shaft and well benny is chasing him with a like a meat hook right gets him in the leg at one point it's a pretty cool chase scene over some cool terrain yeah i know uh, benny, that's fucking weird that ground yeah, the with like kind of the holes all over it. Yeah, it's like really they must just dig certain spots or something. I think I read or heard when they were filming the Road Warrior, they had come across that and had wanted to use it in Road Warrior and couldn't. So they added it. They put it in Razorback. Yeah. It's just a really cool terrain. Yeah, it looks uh, good. Benny uh, falls down a mine shaft and he's holding onto this wire and Carl is like kicking dirt in his face. It's really good. He's getting him to confess. And yeah, you know, Benny, Benny's, he says, Oh, by the way, my name's Web, uh, is it Weber? My name's Weber. You might have known my wife, Beth. 
Yeah. And uh, and Benny's become I wasn't a, a even total, there. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even there. It wasn't me. We, you know, and it was, it was like, a bore. It was, right. And then he goes, it was a bore. And, and, and Carl's like, oh, so you were there. You saw a bore. And he basically gets out of him like, we tried, you know, we were going to go to town on your wife. And then a bore showed up. And yeah, not helping the cause where you're like, I'm not going to help you out now. Fuck off. Right. Well, because Benny says, like, if you don't help me, I'll die down. You know, I'll fall to my death. Carl has a moment where he looks at the handle and like he could help him. Yeah. And then he walks away and makes this choice where, I mean, it's an interesting moment because it's the moment of, do I let somebody die or not? You know? And he, he doesn't think too hard about it either. It's like he considers it and then he walks away. Yeah. It's not long. He's pretty much like long live the king and like fucking drops him. He just, and then straight away, like, cause he's like, you fucked it up. And he's like, the handle starts rolling. He's like, you hear him fall down the mine you're like he's dead that's it end of benny we're down to one brother and a razorback rest in sarah <laughs> i feel like um, saying that after every time you say someone's dead yeah not benny sarah's posse shows up at this watering hole and all that they see is a little tiny pig that isn't going to hurt anybody and they're real disappointed and they say let's go back to the pub yeah they're like, yeah, that's it. Sarah's like, no, but it was here. I, you know, I have more than one tracker. Right. Uh, Carl goes to he hunts down and finds uh, Dicko, who they have a scuffle and there's a chase and Dicko like spins around a lot and kind of like slides on dirt a lot. He's got yeah. this like this is him at his most moving. wildest, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. This is and this is the actor going completely unhinged. As well. <laughs> yeah. It's my last scene. Uh, I'm gonna go fucking all out. They chase each other around. There's a we are introduced to a meat grinder. So imagine like an electric fan that spins on the ground facing up, and it's spinning one way, and then there's also another blade that's spinning in the opposite direction. So you've got this meat grinder, and over it is like a track of carcasses on hooks. And so they like slide over it. They drop down in the meat grinder. Uh, there's a cool moment where Carl's standing next to the meat grinder. Dicko's hanging with a carcass off of a hook and like kicks at him. Carl falls down, almost falls into the meat grinder. And now we are introduced to this set piece that will come into play later. It's very obvious that we're going to see this again. Yeah. They, uh, he gets away. He does not fall into the meat grinder, chases Dicko down some more. And the Razorback appears and drags Dicko away and you hear his screams, but that is another scene that was cut. And it, it, yeah, there was a, a very fucking weird editing with this. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense now. You, I, again, I don't mind that these scenes are missing, but they're not recovered super well. It does feel like something's missing. Yeah, like know? they just cut. It's like he's running one direction, something happens, and then next thing it's completely different direction running another way. It's like, yep. so did we miss this part? Which sounds yeah, like, the yeah, scene, they probably did something and cut it out. The cutscene shows him getting dragged by his leg and uh, screaming. It's, there's a cool moment where he's back against the wall and the Razorback gets up in his face and they kind of like stares him down. It's pretty interesting. How weird but, is he so, though? 
He puts the fucking what? headphones on when he's running, and then before that, he's like, "I'm a kangaroo." And then like, oh, that's right, yeah. I fucking laughs at him. <laughs> imitates a kangaroo because he is uh, in the spotlights of the Mad Max car, right, on his <laughs> knees, and he's uh, Carl's holding a gun on him. Yeah. And so now Dicko is in the position of what a, one of the kangaroos would have been. And he's ready to be shot. And he's saying, shoot me, shoot me. And he acts like a little kangaroo. And then that's when the Razorback comes and gets him. He's so crazy. <laughs> Do you think Carl would have shot him if the Razorback didn't come? No, I feel like if he, yeah. Because I feel like he was like, well, fuck, you're going to do it. Just hurry up. Or he'll say something about his wife and then probably would have done it. Yeah. I feel like he I would have so. eventually done it. Because he's like, whatever, well, just killed your other brother. Like, Yeah, I think he's Go for just, two for uh, one. He's over it. And we know he's, he's a, like, he had that hallucination. And I feel like it gave us a little bit of an insight into his psyche, perhaps, you know, yeah. like he's, there's got a darkness to him. Wakey, wakey, hands off, snakey. Nothing <laughs> to say. <laughs> I love all the fucking little catch things in this. So Sarah can't get people to believe her that now the Razorback is actually at the slaughterhouse. And so she goes and there's a minute where we think she's dead. She gets kind of chased after and uh, and she's a goner. And now we are left with Carl and the Razorback. A lot of editing, a lot of shaky camera, really cool lighting. One thing leads to another and we get Carl back on that conveyor belt uh, with the meat grinder. Uh, yeah. But not before he stabs the razor back with like this javelin through the chest and it gets yeah, up good. in his face and it's spitting blood on his face. It's pretty cool. Turns out pigs like this have like this armor, right? They mentioned in the movie before you can shoot it as many times as you want with a gun unless you shoot it from underneath into like the belly you're not going to hurt it. They have a high tolerance for pain. They can lose a lot of blood and still keep going. And they have these fat deposits that like work as armor for them. Yeah. That's what I read. It was fucking crazy. I'm like, Jesus, like, hunt, like, yeah. Like I said earlier, hunt something else. Yeah. Well, can't I imagine mean, they taste know. that good. No, Just shoot probably, real pigs. Go to a farm. I, I don't think it, I think it's either for the sport <laughs> or for population control. Yeah. You know? Maybe you feel tough if you've shot something tougher compared to like, going to a farm and killing like an innocent pig that's something i just don't understand like the sport of hunting yeah i, I really don't i never like, shot a gun i have shot a gun my dad had guns he my dad was a gun person uh it's not great and then i went as, i was in a musical it's a stephen sondheim musical called assassins and we used live guns and we had to be professionally trained and we, we fired blanks but we had someone uh from the he was someone's husband he was an uh, a soldier and he was our gun wrangler and before we walked on stage with the gun we had to sign it out like on a piece of paper and then yeah. as soon as our scene was over we had to bring it back and sign it back in like it was really controlled that's crazy experience but it is kind of it's known that the final note quote of the finale in the song is a gunfire like that's the final uh everyone every character in it fires their gun at the same time oh okay right but yeah, it is weird. Like you look at a deer and it's like, like anyone else looks at it. He's like, oh, it's fucking majestic. And they're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> fucking shoot. Kill it. Yeah. If I saw one, I feel like key pressure of like being with a bunch of hunters or something. You'd be like, fucking kill it. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, you shot it. And you'd feel fucking guilty the whole time. Like now I you got to fucking like skin it, is... it and do all this. I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> the last thing on my mind would be to want to kill it, you know? Yeah, I'd be like, I'm just happy I, I saw it in the fucking wild. Well, 
I guess that's where they are. But <laughs> the Razorback, though, this one's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's less majestic. Carl is uh, standing next to the meat grinder. He's trying to get the Razorback to charge him. I. <laughs> This film was shot, or this shot was filmed really quickly. They they couldn't figure out how to kill the Razorback until the last day of shooting. They didn't know how they were going to do it. And they decided oh, yeah. on the meat grinder. The producers literally told him, you have to finish this movie today. We are way over budget. We are way out of time. Figure it out. Because they so gave Carl, up on the electrocution idea. Yeah, it runs into like an electric fence, gets electrocuted. And so that causes everything in the factory to start going haywire. We oh yeah that's why that happened yeah yeah we were introduced earlier to how fragile kind of the wiring system of this whole place is yeah. and there's like a like a steam pump that will explode if it's not attended to properly by hitting uh, it so there's steam blowing everywhere interesting lighting shadows and uh the the Razorback charges at Carl on the conveyor belt toward the grinder he jumps up onto a meat hook with a kangaroo uh, carcass on it and flies away and then the razorback falls into the grinder and chunks of it fly through the air and that's the end of the razorback i think it's no proof that it was alive i i like this movie i think it's a little anticlimactic yeah it, which is they didn't um, really like show it hardly it like barely it was like quickly it was like he's like slapping his ass like come and kick get me kick my uh, kiss my ass or whatever and then like it's on there for a second and then you see like two seconds of it getting chopped up and that's it. And you're like, and then he like, they spend way more time hugging afterwards. Yeah. I wish that they had shown the charge more, the charge after him, yeah. you know? And I, I think it's just unfortunate that maybe they ran out of time and money, you know? Cause I do think it's a cool way to kill the Razorback. Yeah. Cause I guess it's it kind of, just... you could see it kind of getting maybe stuck on the conveyor and it's like, Oh fuck. Like, or it's so hell bent on going for him. Doesn't think about, what's ahead yeah well the director was disappointed with this too they actually added the scene where he finds sarah wrapped up in like some cables hanging upside down and unties her and she's fine and they wake up and embrace yeah she wakes up and they embrace They're like the let's add one nice moment to the movie he the director's words are it was a it was a conclusion not an ending <laughs> like AKA, I was not happy with this movie. Yeah. And uh, credits roll with some... How do you feel about the score in this movie? Uh, it was all right. I feel like anytime there was a good song, I mean, like, I didn't know that Wiz one, to be honest. I haven't really focused on that one that much, but it's like one time I hear a song I actually knew, Reckless, it was like when they were, it was playing on the, ke the camel when it went past with the stereo on it, like... Otherwise, yeah, it was. It sounded alright, but I feel like it didn't use any songs. It could have used like a lot of it, like just Australian songs that at the time probably would have been easy as to put on there. I think Duran Duran plays at one point. Uh, Beth is listening to it in the car. The the oh score the yeah music, yeah she's yeah right? prior to being the rest of the night going bad. I didn't know the song. The, uh, the score was by Iva Davies. Now he was in a band that. The director had made music videos for before it's kind of um a lot of synthetic a lot of electro in the score uh, Classic he, 80 actually stuff. Would, 
he would go on and, and do the score for like Space Jam, which I think is funny. Mastering Command. Really? <laughs> yeah. So he worked, but he started out in a band. And um, it's a memorable score. I actually, it's available on Spotify. I want to revisit it separate from, separately from the film because... Yeah, Space Jam. No, no, no. <laughs> score for, uh, the score for Razorback. Although the score for Space Jam is pretty banging. And that's Razorback. Uh, Danny, Ooh. on Rick or Treat Horrorcast, we have a rating system. A movie is either a trick, which means it's just okay, it's a treat, which means you loved it, or it's a smell my feet, which means it sucked. What do you think? Uh, what was the first one again? Treat? Trick. 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 Yeah, I'd say okay. trick's the medium one, right? Trick is medium. Treat is yeah. amazing. I'd say trick because I was like, unless, unlike the other one, which I, I ripped apart a lot, I actually kind of, there wasn't like this one was, or it's easy to watch, but. It's also like, yeah, the editing. Now you talked about it. I'm like, fuck yeah, that was annoying. I just thought it was like a lot of cut scenes, like, oh, tsh, tsh, like they did this for the sake of not showing it or they couldn't show a scene or something. But yeah, that was kind of annoying. Like, but otherwise it was fun to watch. But, you know, it's like, I didn't hate it, but I don't love it. So yeah, I'd say trick. But I would say it's on the high end of trick. I, I think, like I said before, <laughs> watch this movie like there's no reason not to it is a mean-spirited movie like there's not a lot of humor you know it, it it's pretty grounded in coldness but very entertaining a very interesting from an american perspective representation of the outback and beautifully beautifully shot every single shot in this movie is like specific and gorgeous to look at interesting you know the i mean the the hallucination scene has become famous. You know, people talk about it. Yeah. And uh, it could be a little better, but I don't blame, I don't, I blame the studio for where it's lacking rather than the cast or crew, you know? And uh, I think sometimes that's the case. I, if they had had a little more time or a little bigger budget, I do think that that finale could have been. Like the powers tighter. that be started having their input and just taking away everything. He's like, Oh, this is kind of my movie. Now you're ruining it. And, yeah taking well, away it, from me you know it the studio lost faith in it they did a test screening in los angeles it, to a positive reaction and then they released it and it bombed it got mediocre some great reviews some mediocre reviews but it bombed as far as ticket sales go so the studio sold the foreign rights to some dude he released it and it was a massive hit in france and france and he made a fuck ton of money off of it <laughs> the studio missed out on all of that yeah but in recent years, people have revisited this and found that it's actually, a, you know, a, one of the better Jaws ripoffs, perhaps the best Jaws ripoff. Yeah. It's, would you say it's got a cult following? I think, yeah, I do. Yeah. These days, for sure. I think people are just starting to rediscover it. Because when I posted it, uh, a lot of people were like, oh, I fucking love that movie. Like, it got a lot, like, a good reaction. Like, no one was like, oh, that shit. Like, seemed like a lot of people like it. It's more it's surprised not... that people, because most of the people who follow me are American, are like, yeah, well, oh, it's a good one. I was like, that's nice. It's made its way over there. Yeah. It's... Where Wolf Creek's usually the focus and a few other Australian ones. Like, this, it's nice to see an older one still get a bit of a mention. It's, got, it's had its, I... a bit of attention. I agree. No, it's known for sure. I think it's respected too by a lot yeah. of people, you know? 
And uh, it really launched the careers of a lot of that production team. You know, they really, it, 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 I mean, to go on from this movie to Highlander. And yeah. then that's the interesting to so know. Right. That's like, yeah. Not so great Highlander too. Yeah. Um, well, which is there. another great movie. I fucking love Highlander. There can only be one. And that's right. it. Not that many cards. That's the Rick or Treat. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Rick or Treat Horror Cast. Razorback. Week three of Animal Attacks. Danny, where can my listeners stalk you? They can get me on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube. I just got sparked that back up again. But all that one word, creepy crap podcast. Australia's favorite horror podcast. Is that true or is that some unofficially? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I will say uh, this. Fake it till you uh, make it. It is my favorite Australian horror podcast. Oh, see, it starts with one. It starts with one. I'm sure there's more than one. Check out his show, guys. I really can't recommend it enough. Danny's a lot of fun. And I really appreciate you being my podcast buddy. And, uh, and I definitely got to have you on mine. Well, you said that last time. And <laughs> yeah. then you had someone else on your show so yeah one day uh, <laughs> you, you can check out my show at rick or treat pod on instagram go to my website rickretreat.com and read my reviews and articles for room org and spoiler free reviews you'll find links on my website and i cannot wait to conclude animal attack month next week have a a return guest in one of my very favorite animal movies of all time. Danny, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute honor. Thank you so much for having me on me. Fuck. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it was an absolute honor to be here. It was great to be here. Fuck. I'm dying. Why don't you go to sleep? Do you want me to do that again? <laughs> no, not at all. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Why don't you get An honor being here. Pardon? And uh, I'll see y'all later, Spookies. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Rick or Treating. You can follow the show on Instagram at Rick or Treat Pod. It'd be a real scream if you'd take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever platform you're listening on. The show's spooky intro and outro music is a cover of Camille Satsans' Danse Macabre with orchestrations composed and performed by Lestat von Monlicht. Links to the artist's music can be found in the episode description. Check him out. He's frighteningly talented. Rick or Treat Horrorcast is independently produced by me, Ricky J. Duarte of Rick or Treat Productions. If you like what you heard, tell a fiend. I mean, friend. If you didn't, well, they're coming to get you, listener. <laughs>